ESPN Radio. This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas hanging out with you. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Timberwolves host the Grizzlies, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations right after Harry and I hop off air. And on that call tonight is Roz Gold and Wude, ESPN basketball analysts. Let's bring Roz into this conversation about this series. And Roz, the Timberwolves surprised the country, I think, in game one. Certainly surprised Memphis, at least, in game one. Then Memphis showed up in game two. They looked like the Grizzlies that we expected them to look like coming into this series. Can the Timberwolves surprise us again tonight? Absolutely. I think coming home is a good thing for this young team, this playoff inexperienced team in the Timberwolves to be on their home court. But what it's going to come down to for every single game of this series is possessions and physicality. Who can hold on and manufacture more possessions? And who's going to be the more aggressive and physical team? And in game one, it was the Timberwolves. You know, in game two, uh, the Grizzlies got back to wanting to run off of turnovers, wanting to own the glass, especially the offensive rebounds and second-chance points. That's what the Grizzlies want to do. And they also took away some of the aggressiveness of Carl Anthony Towns, who only took seven shots in game two for the Timberwolves. Now, some of that had to do with foul trouble, but also the Grizzlies went with a little bit more of a mobile and smaller and faster and switchier lineup defensively against him. And, and that's a big factor today. You know, can Carl Anthony Towns assert himself more? And, Ross, that's one of the things we've seen in the play-in game that the Clippers did to Carl Anthony Towns that kind of slowed him down was went to that more athletic, smaller lineup. But you talked about the foul trouble. How important is it for Carl Anthony Towns to understand his importance to his team and to not get in foul trouble tonight? Oh, it's it's huge. Um, and I think part of that is his focus, his concentration. Um, you know, getting in that kind of foul trouble early, it also takes away his ability to, to get in rhythm um, and, and find some kind of um, flow on the offensive end. You know, his teammates have to also, you know, work to make sure he's getting touches and find them. And uh, we just spoke with Coach Finch before the game, and, and he even wrote, raised his hand and said, you know what, I need to be better about that too um, in, in making sure to help ignite him earlier in the game. Roz Gold and Wude, ESPN basketball analyst. She is on the coverage tonight for Grizzlies Timberwolves, which tips off right after we get off air uh, here on ESPN radio coverage begins at 7 p.m. It'll tip off at 7.30 p.m. And Roz, I know you're very busy uh, getting ready for that game and that coverage. So I want to go ahead and move on to another one of these series tipping off tonight at 9 p.m. Mavs Jazz game three. And I just wanted to get your thoughts because it looks like the Mavericks are going to give it a go again without Luca on the court they got one against the Jazz without Luca I was very surprised by that are you surprised that this series is tied at 1-1 without Luca well it's a credit to the team it's a team game you know Jalen Brunson having a big game and stepping up and um, you know I'm old school called me old-fashioned I believe that you know basketball is a team game next man man up mentality and also these tend to be what you know tricky games for the other team your psych your psychology kind of loosens up when you say oh Luke is not on the court hey these are guys that uh, are professional players are hungry to take that next step in their playoff journey um, and you know have seemed to have found a lot of uh, personal and collective rhythm since the all-star break 
Roz, I want to talk about a team that you have been close to. That's the Golden State Warriors. When you see what they're doing right now, being healthy and coming together, do you see them as a uh, title contender and a team that can cut down the nets at the end of the day? Yeah, anytime the Warriors are, are getting healthy, you know, you get Stephen Curry back, you have Steph, Clay, and Draymond actually spending time on the court together, which we didn't see a lot of uh, this season. Um, they're a threat. You know, I've learned in my time, having been their sideline reporter back in the day, you never count them out, you never count Steph out. And I think they have the right influx of uh, veteran and experienced talent and also youthful, uh, fresh blood. You know, Jordan Poole has been a revelation the way he plays fits right in with the joyful demeanor of the Warriors and um, his energy and excitement and, and lack of back downness is is really awesome. Would love to give a you know a credit to Kevon Looney as well, who has been nothing but steadfast and steady and dependable, and he has a lot of experience um, for this team. And there's a number of other players who I could say the same about. You know Andre Iguodala and just his mind on the bench or on the court is so useful for this team and so. Um, I absolutely think the Warriors are coming together, getting healthy and finding rhythm at the right time. And you look at some of the other teams around the West, you know, maybe Devin Booker and the Suns, he's hurt. Um, you know, this is about staying healthy. You know, it might be that the Warriors end up finding their groove and their health right at the right time. Yeah, certainly getting healthiest when it matters most. Roz Gold on Wude on with us. I want to ask you about the team on the other side of the series because the Warriors have completely dominated the Nuggets so far, and Jokic just feels like he's out there on an island by himself. But he hasn't always reacted the best in this series in terms of being dominated by the Warriors. What have you made of him? Is he your MVP this season, Roz, or would you have given it to somebody else? Man, there was, it was really, really tight for the MVP award this year. For me, it came down to a, there were a number of players in the conversation, let me say that. But as far as real contenders for the award, there were three for me. And it was Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, and uh, Nikola Jokic. And, you know, all you could make a numerical, a statistical argument for. They said all three were absolutely dominant um, and had team success narrative type stories you could add in. Um, so absolutely very, very tight. I would have gone with Joel Embiid. And um, I think we're seeing it in how Joel Embiid has stepped up. You can see, you know, for all the conversation of, uh, well, was, you know, Jokic held the, the Nuggets together while they were without Michael Porter Jr. or Jamal Murray. You know, you watch the, the, the 76ers and you quickly realize, man, Joel Embiid is, you know, he's what makes this go. And, and. You know, while the other two are also have, have, you know, Jokic has improved as a defender, and Giannis is clearly, I mean, just if he, one of the most dominant players in the world on earth on both ends of the ball. Like, I just was watching uh, 76ers Toronto up close. I had their game, too. And you can just watch how Joel Embiid on both ends on defense can really change the game um, for his team and, and, and his versatility and his dominance and, and how hard he is to just plain stop. Um, his improvement, his availability, his demeanor, his scoring title, his consistency. I mean, I'm also, I've covered him through a lot of his career. I'm very impressed. This is not about the MVP. This is me talking now with his growth um, as a leader. Um, you know, I remember ca covering him for that 2019 run when they played the Toronto Raptors, and I was literally doing reports 
on is, does Joel Embiid's um, stomach feel well today? Is he going to play? His tummy hurts. Or uh, we were doing a lot of stories about his, his body pain. You didn't know if he was going to play until like five minutes before the game. Even his coaches didn't know. Um, you know, he was constantly talking with refs. We watched him at the end of that series when Kawhi Leonard hit that four-bounce buzzer beater in game seven. We watched Joel Embiid, you know, leave the court crying in tears. And I think that was a transformational pain in his career because I think from then he really changed his diet, his mindset, um, how much he got lost in the trash talk, how, how he needed to be as a leader, how he needed to set a tone for physicality as a big man. And you fast forward to now, they're playing the Raptors, and I'm seeing a completely different human being on the court. And so for me, seeing him in that 2019 series against the Raptors as a sideline reporter for that, and then now seeing him in 2022 and seeing the growth um, in his dependability and his just everything, I mean, it's quite impressive just from someone who covers the game and loves the game. Um, I'm very impressed by that. Yeah, I think we're all very impressed by what Joel Embiid is out there doing right now, and they are up three games to none on that Toronto Raptors team. Roz Golden, Wude, thanks so much for giving us some of your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tune in tonight as the Timberwolves host the Grizzlies, where you will hear Roz on that coverage. Presented by Indeed, coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. How big is Game 3 for Nikola Jokic? And... Our perception of him, we discuss. That's next. This is ESPN Radio. The Warriors have been dominating the Denver Nuggets. They are up two games to none. Now tonight, that series heads to Denver. And, Harry, I'm hoping that thin air helps Nikola Jokic (laughs) out because sea level was not working out for him thus far. Warriors Nuggets tips off at 10 p.m. tonight. And Jokic has looked visibly frustrated out there this whole series, right? I mean, Draymond Green is working him defensively. He is totally outmatched by this Warriors team. I know Jokic is out there doing it by himself, but we're talking about a player who's probably about to win another MVP award and a player who was the MVP last season. I have been surprised how visibly frustrated he has been and how much we've seen it and some of the ways that it has impacted him, impacted not just his temperament, but impacted his play and then obviously getting tossed in game two. Yeah, I think collectively it's a lot of things, right? Number one, when you look at this Warriors team that they're going against Denver Nuggets, Uh, It takes a a special kind of attention to detail that you have to pay attention to, right? Um, Especially when you want to guard this team for 60 minutes. Not to mention he has a smaller defender guarding him in in Draymond Green. So it's going to be a little bit extra because he's bigger. Now, 
what I would say to 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 Yoke is, is listen, you got to punish Draymond. You can't let a guy smaller than you defend you. You got to punish him. And I understand that Draymond Green is one of the best defenders uh, to ever play the game. He's one of the best. But still, you have that size advantage. You got to punish him and make the refs call something. That's one of the things that I think Joel Embiid does a great job of. Okay, referee, if you're not going to call it, I'm going to make you call it. That's the mindset that Jokic has to go uh, have coming into the game tonight. But – Guys like Aaron Gordon, guys like Barton, and all these other supporting cast members that he has, they got to give him some help too now. They got to give him some help. They got to give him some help defensively. They got to give him some help offensively. And the, the one thing I can think about right now, I'm trying not to laugh, because I'm trying to wait till the camera comes back on me for those who are streaming in and can see the video. When I'm watching this game, there's time where Jokic is unbelievably tired because of the back and forth, running up and down the court, but he's still out there giving his all and he's not quitting. But you know how you, a dog uh, runs beside a car? If he's sitting on the porch and see the car drives by and the dog just chasing the car, and then he goes back to his porch, but he's walking the entire time with his tongue hanging out his mouth, mm-hmm. that has been Jokic. That has been Jokic in this series because we do know the Golden State Warriors, when they get an opportunity to run and they go to that small ball lineup, they're going to run. So now the camera's back on me. So <laughs> that's, how, that, that's Jokic right there in this series. Like a dog chasing a car, now he's got to go back to his porch. So he's unbelievably tired. But the guys around him got to be able to help him out more. And when I say help him out more, that's not necessarily scoring. It's your attention to detail when it comes to guarding the Golden State Warriors and the, the high IQ that it requires for 60 minutes. Because if you let your guard down for six or seven minutes, you can be down 20 points just like that because of the way they shoot the basketball, and they have way more than shot one sharpshooter on that team. The visual was important there. You can always watch us visually on ESPN+. Plus. We are streaming live until 7 p.m., but – Draymond has completely just uh, has he has Jokic in a place where Jokic is out here just constantly complaining to the officials. I mean, he gets his second tech last game, which, you know, leads to him getting ejected. And he it's like Draymond is just in Jokic's head. And the one Mm -hmm. thing I'll say, and I've been a bit of a Jokic stand out here, Harry Douglas. I don't really know how that happened, but Jokic was my MVP from the regular season because I just think what he has done done has just been incredible in terms of not just the numbers but the eye test to people because he's out there on an island doing it by himself without his second best player on that team and arguably his third best player on the team but without two of the key pieces on that team all season long and so he has had so much on his shoulders and I've been very impressed by him in the regular season but what I will say is that in the postseason he does seem to take a little bit of a step back or he falls a little flat. Whereas, and maybe it's just optics because Embiid in the postseason, step up. Giannis Mm -hmm. in the postseason, step up. So if this was a postseason award or award that included the postseason, we would be probably having a very different conversation about the MVP than we are because it is, in fact, a regular season award. So compared to those guys, though, it just doesn't seem like Jokic saves as much maybe for the postseason. Yeah, and 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 I'll say this again. One of the things I think uh, Jokic has to do is punish Draymond Green. 
Don't cry to the refs for fouls. You see Joel Embiid does it all the time. He's not crying to the refs for fouls. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get on that block, and he's going to force defenders to foul him because he knows he shoots the ball very well from the free throw line, as well does the Joker. He does shoot uh, free throws great and shoots a great percentage as well. But when you look at his game, he's a guy that averaged, what, 27 this year, 13, 8 assists. He does a lot of different things, and the way he can facilitate uh, is just awesome. But when you have a smaller defender on you, don't bail him out. Take him on that block. Don't hope and wish that, you know, you ever seen Kings of Comedy? I hope someone's in my seat. No, 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 no. I wish a mup, I wish a would come on this block. I'm going to punish him every time, and I'm going to force the referees to call it. That's the mindset that he, that he has, to has to have tonight in game three because they're back in Denver, like you mentioned, in that thin air. I am glad that you cleaned that up for error. Again, you can check us out on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, the last time that we saw an MVP look like this against this Warriors team was Dirk Nowitzki. Like back in, what was it, like 2011 or something, whatever it was. And that kind of, that series sort of changed the perception of Dirk because he was also visibly frustrated by this Warriors team. And that's what I'm seeing here from Jokic. And so even as somebody who has been out here on the, rooftop screaming about Jokic this season in terms of his greatness in the regular season. Harry, I've been very disappointed by what I've seen from him emotionally in this postseason because I don't think that he's going to – there's nothing Jokic can do to me that's going to win him this series. Like, he just doesn't have enough. He's super outmatched. But he can keep a cooler head in the series. And I do wonder if the way that he's behaving is changing the perception of him. Well, he, he has to because, number one, he's the leader of that team. He's the one that everybody counts on. So if there's one person everyone on that team is looking at, it's going to be Jokic, right? Now, we've seen a little thing trickle down to that entire team. We've seen Jokic get kicked out of the game. We see him get more than one tech. He got two. But not only that, we've seen DeMarcus Cousins, and we've seen other guys on the bench getting into it. Things like that can't happen. And as the leader and you getting kicked out of the game, uh, you got to be able to be there for your team. Now, he was there at that moment, but he, he should be able to say, hey, we don't need this. And guys should be able to respect it and, and listen to it because he did win an MVP last year. And he's up for MVP again. But if you are hothead and they're seeing your antics, why would they listen to you? So, yes, it does play a major factor uh, moving forward. And he has to be an example for his team and his teammates. Warriors at Nuggets game three is a hot ticket. Hot ticket is brought to you by Vivid Seats, where you earn rewards with every purchase. Vivid Seats rewards is your ticket to more tickets. Vivid Seats, life happens live. Coming up next, Chris Middleton or Devin Booker? Who is the bigger loss? We'll unpack that. This is ESPN Radio.
30 more minutes of Harry Douglas and Amber Wilson here on ESPN Radio. You can tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. We have talked a ton about the NBA playoffs in today's show, and we will continue to do so. But right now, it is time to bring in our producer, Shannon Penn, and respect it or check it. Oh, wow. Okay, so you know how this thing goes. Respect it or check it. I'm going to give you guys a very hot scorching take. You got to tell me whether or not you're willing to put some respect on said take or you're going to check the take. You guys you got it? You said, oh, wow, off can, the top. Can like I say one res- thing? Like, can, like you were can you take your mask you off so I can understand what you're saying, Shannon? Can you take your mask off, please? Nah, I can't do it because I don't trust these <laughs> folks in the studio. No offense, Sam. Smart man. All right, here we go. Respect it or check it, Harry. I will start with you. Chris Middleton is a bigger loss for the Bucks than Dever- Devin Booker is for the Nets. You're going to respect Oosh. it or you're going to check it? Oh, Shannon, you didn't shook the table. Uh, I'm going to check this. Devin Booker is a bigger loss to the Phoenix Suns than it is Chris Middleton because last time I checked, right now, currently, Devin Booker is the best player on the Suns team. And let's see, the Milwaukee Bucks still have a guy named Giannis Antetokounmpo. So I'm going uh, to have to check that one. I'm torn on this one because I know what Harry just said makes a lot of sense, and I know Perk alluded to it earlier as well. Like When you take the best guy off the best team, then that seems like the bigger loss. But I just also don't think that Giannis could get it done without his Robin, a Batman without a Robin, and we know how important Chris Middleton was to that Milwaukee Bucks run last year to the championship. In fact, Middleton carried them for a while of that run. So I'm actually going to say Chris Middleton is the bigger loss here because I've at least seen the the Suns have success without Devin Booker. They're, what, 8-5? Eight, eight and five. I don't have it in front of me. Without Devin Booker. They have a winning record without Devin Booker this season. When you don't have Chris Middleton or you don't have Drew Holiday alongside Giannis, they're a sub-500 team. So I don't know if I'm respecting that or checking that, but I answered your question. Shannon? Yes, you, <laughs> you did put some respect on it, so I appreciate that, okay. Amber. All right, moving on to the next question. Amber, I will start with you. A first-round exit for the Brooklyn Nets would be a bigger failure than the Lakers missing the playoffs. You're going to put some respect on that, or are you going to check it? No, I'm going to check this, because I'm not going to say that missing a playoffs is 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 less bad than, than making a playoffs, which is essentially what this question is set up as. But they're both epic failures. I mean, that's really the truth of this. This Brooklyn Nets team was constructed to win championships with just KD and Kyrie. And I understand for a while there, James Harden was in the mix. But it was constructed with KD and Kyrie to win championships for them to not even get past the first round, even if they're up against a very good Boston Celtics defense, would be an epic failure. But LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation, not making a playoffs is an even bigger failure. Oh, I'm going to go with respect it. Because when you look at a Kevin Durant, who a lot of people viewed as being the best player in the world right now, you look at a Kyrie Irving, who a lot of people say is a magician with the basketball. At one point, they did have a James Harden, who right now is up 3-0 with the, uh, with, with the 76ers over the Toronto Raptors. A lot of this stuff that they wanted to construct together has come as an epic failure. Then you look at the first two games of this series, and they have been dominated. Kevin Durant hasn't been uh, the guy that we wanted him to be. Kyrie Irving was a monster in game one, but in the game two, he didn't show up at all. So if this team can't even get out of the first round after losing to the Bucks last year, I think that's a failure in my eyes. Epic failure, too. Worse than the Los Angeles Lakers. 
They're all failures. Failures all around. Uh, if it happens, <laughs> the Nets could still crawl out of the hole and save themselves, I suppose. The Lakers cannot. So that's where we're at so far. This is ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas. We are respecting things or checking things with our producer, Shannon Penn. What's next, Shannon? All right, Harry, here we go. The Minnesota Timberwolves will not win another game this series against the Grizzlies. You're going to respect it or you're going to check it? Listen, you mask of the mask of Zorro, I'm going to check this. How dare you disrespect the Timberwolves who have the athleticism? Now, if all they have to, <laughs> all they have to do, Shannon is shaking his mask right now, for those of you who can see us, uh, all the Timberwolves have to do is get D'Angelo Russell to play a decent ball game. He has to show up. I mean, he has to show up. So I'm going to check this because you have a young superstar um, in Carl Anthony Towns. You have a young superstar in Anthony Edwards. You have a guy in D'Angelo Russell when he's hitting on all cylinders who can make a difference. So I do believe they will win another game in this series. Man, I am torn on this one. Uh, I guess I will respect it, but I don't feel good about it because I want to check it. I want the Timberwolves to win another game. I want them to make this more of a series than they already have when they surprised us in game one. I think that this is an incredibly fun series amongst two young, very good teams, but I think that the Grizzlies are far ahead of the Timberwolves just in terms of their development. Like I do think that this is a budding rivalry, and I do think the Timberwolves are on their way, and I do think Anthony Edwards had a breakout party in terms of post season play in game one and we already knew the greatness that that cat can bring uh to the table but I think that the Memphis Grizzlies showed us in game two why they were the second best team in the west all season long and I don't think that they're going to let us forget it for the rest of the series John Morant is going to continue to be unstoppable so I'm going to respect it all right just as a reminder the NBA playoffs are on ESPN radio tune in tonight as the Timberwolves host the Grizzlies presented by Indeed coverage begins at 7th P.M. Eastern on ESPN radio stations. All right, let's move on to the NFL. Amber, I'll start with you here. Baker Mayfield will be a week one starting quarterback this season in the NFL. Are you going to respect it or are you going to check it? I'm going to respect it. I'm going to respect this uh, because there are so many starting quarterbacks around the NFL who are frankly, worse than Baker Mayfield or don't have the resume of Baker Mayfield. And for that reason, I have a hard time believing that Baker will not find his way somehow, somewhere to a team that actually needs a starter, namely the Carolina Panthers or maybe the Seattle Seahawks. So I am going to respect this. I think somehow Baker ends up starting week one of this upcoming NFL season. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Let me watch what I say. I don't want Patrick calling in to jump on my head, Amber. Ah. You know what? I'm going to check this because the simple fact that there's a possibility that the Carolina Panthers with the sixth pick, they can draft a rookie quarterback. There's a possibility that the Seattle Seahawks during this draft can draft a quarterback, not to mention that they do have Drew Locke. So I know they're just not going to get Drew Locke back in a trade and just, you know, throw him by the wayside for a guy like Baker Mayfield. Even though I do feel like Baker Mayfield is better than Drew Locke. I watched the film. It is atrocious, atrocious, atrocious. I would not start Drew Locke over Baker Mayfield. But if the Seattle Seahawks decide to draft a quarterback early, first or second round, I'm trying to remember the picks that they have right now, um, there's a chance that Baker Mayfield might not be starting the National Football League. That is, that is a possibility, so I'm going to have to check it. 
Shannon, got time for one more? Uh, we got time for one last one. Let's stick in the NFL. Here, Harry, I'll go to you. Debo Samuel will still be a member of the San Francisco 49ers this season. You're going to respect it or you're going to check it? I'm going to check it. Debo don't like people sending them death threats. You, sh- you showed your true colors as fans in San Francisco. Debo said he doesn't want to play for the San Francisco 49ers anymore. He wants to get traded. Debo is a man of his word, so I'm going to have to check that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that he's going to be a member of the 49ers this season, so I'm checking this as well because I think his days in San Francisco are over. I think he made that pretty clear. Now, of course, it's going to be up to the 49ers what to do with Debo Samuel at the end of the day, but I think they're going to end up moving him and getting what they can in return for him for whatever reason, whether it came down to financial talks or whether it came down to his usage in San Francisco, maybe not being so happy uh, about all that running there, although we didn't hear that from him during the regular season or whether it came down to his concerns over who's going to be throwing him the football next season, whatever Debo's reasons, I do believe that he wants out of that San Francisco 49ers situation. And I think that they'll probably honor it and get whatever they can instead of paying Debo since he seems so unhappy there right now. So I will check that. Thank you, Shannon Penn for helping us out with that segment coming up next an update on Chris Middleton's status. Plus, are there any real concerns for James Harden moving forward? That's next. This is ESPN Radio. Milwaukee Bucks lost to the Chicago Bulls last night, 114 to 110. That series is now tied at one game apiece. But, Harry, the bigger loss than even the game for the Milwaukee Bucks might be Chris Middleton. He has a sprained MCL. He is going to, according to our own Adrian Wojnarowski, is going to miss at least two weeks. He might be out two to three weeks with that sprained MCL, a huge loss for this Milwaukee Bucks team up against a very good Chicago Bulls team led by a very good this season, DeMar DeRozan. Yeah, this is a tough loss for him. Um, We knew he was going to be out. We just didn't know how long and the extent of the injury. But for Chris Middleton, it's going to be a huge loss for the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, um, depending on how long this series goes with the Bulls and uh, I think if they win this series, they would match up next with the the Celtics and the uh, Nets uh, winner, right? Am I correct? I'm because I believe um, find my bracket. Again. I believe the Sixers and the Heat All right, will play. So yes, if, if they, they win won. this series, yeah. they would. It would be Nets or Celtics. Yes. Now, if things overlapped uh, to that series, let's just say the Celtics wins that wins that series. They're up two all right now. Ooh, that's a huge blow. 
um, with the way they play defense and the way you have a, a guy like Chris Middleton that can score the basketball, now you're forcing guys who aren't accustomed to being in those situations, uh, a Grayson Allen, a Jordan Wara, um, a Pat Cunnington, who's not used to being creators like Chris Middleton is. Now you're forcing them to try to be those type of guys, and I don't think that's going to be good for your basketball team because the, most of those guys are spot-up, shooting-type type guys. Now, Jordan Wara, he can put the ball on the deck. He played at Louisville. I watched a lot of his game. Um, but the, other, the rest of those guys, I think more so are spot-up shooters, hit the open jump shot, knock down the, the Jays when, when they have it and when they, when they present themselves. So that's going to be a huge loss for Milwaukee. Yeah, it's a huge loss for Milwaukee. Milwaukee, of course, still has the best player on the court in this series in Giannis, but Giannis needs his supporting cast, and namely, not even his supporting class, but like his, I don't know, you don't want to call him a big three, right? But his three, Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday out there with him, they need that three core in order to really have success. You saw it last season. It won them an NBA title, and there were times that Chris Middleton was able to carry that team when Giannis was out with injury. But Chris Middleton is pivotal to that team's production, particularly in terms of scoring. And without him, without the Robin to Giannis's Batman, they might have enough to get past the Chicago Bulls team. Although no, you know, discredit, no disrespect to the Bulls because they've been playing phenomenally hard against this Milwaukee Bucks team. But I can't imagine the Bucks without Middleton getting past the Celtics or maybe even the Nets if that's how the series works out next round. Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas, we're taking you down the stretch here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We are taking you right up to NBA action. Grizzlies, Timberwolves tips off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. Coverage will begin on most ESPN radio stations right after Harry and I sign off for the evening. You can always tweet to us at AmberW790 at HDouglas83. We have had a lot of help on today's show, unpacking all things NBA and otherwise. Kendrick Perkins stopped by, ESPN's NBA analyst, host of Swagoo and Perk. So shout out to Big Perk for helping us out. Erin Dolan also stopped by, ESPN's sports betting analyst. She showed us uh, the changes in the odds with these major injuries that have happened so far in these NBA playoffs. Lewis Riddick also stopped by ESPN's NFL analyst. He helped us unpack the Debo Samuel situation. And Roz Golden-Wude, who will be on the call tonight, she will be on the coverage for Grizzlies Timberwolves. She stopped by ESPN's basketball analyst to talk all things NBA playoffs. And now, Harry Douglas, it is time for us to go three and out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is Three and Out. This is, in fact, Three and Out. And maybe the Brooklyn Nets are going to be out. Maybe they're going to be out in four uh, because... The Celtics beat the Nets for the second time uh, last night uh, in these playoffs, 114 to 107. The Nets head back to Brooklyn, but they are in a hole, Harry. And James Harden has been very efficient in terms of running that offense, in terms of things like assists and setting up the guys around him. But in terms of scoring, you know, I mean, he hasn't certainly been the James Harden that we knew a few years ago him to be. So are there real concerns for you about James Harden moving forward? 
It is, and I will say this, and I mentioned this earlier. From a facilitating standpoint, James Harden has been excellent when it comes to the Philadelphia 76ers. But unfortunately, I don't think they just brought him in to be a, a major facilitator. When you go against guys like the um, teams like the Miami Heat, you go against teams like the Boston Celtics, they're going to need their Robin, which is James Harden, to step up and score the basketball and hit his open baskets. And I'm going to go back to a sequence in the last game that they just played against the Raptors. Raptors, fourth quarter, 49 seconds to go. They're down one point. James Harden can hit two free throws and put them up one. He only hit one of them, tie ball game. He goes down and commits his sixth foul. Not only does he commit his sixth foul, he put Achua on the free throw line. And lucky for the Philadelphia 76ers that Achua did not hit any one of the free throws. And they were allowed to take that game into overtime and finally win it. Otherwise, they would have a loss in the column right now. So little things like that. I need James Harden to check because if he don't, I don't want Philadelphia to get wrecked. I actually don't think that James Harden has been the problem uh, for the 76ers. And wow, I set this up terribly because we've been talking about net Celtics the whole show long. So that's where my mind has been here uh, <laughs> as we entered this series. So my apologies there. 76ers Raptors 104-101. Uh, the 76ers got it done last night over the Raptors. Uh, that series is three games to none. I have never done that before, but that's how much we have been talking about Brooklyn and Boston. And so that's what happened to me when uh, I have too much Kyrie Irving on the brain there. But yes, with James Harden for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, I actually don't have concerns because he has been, as I said, facilitating that offense so effectively and efficiently. He has been making the pieces around him and Maxie and Harris better. He is the reason that they have had the offensive production that they have had. I actually don't necessarily have concerns for him moving forward, certainly not in this series, but it will get interesting when we get past the Toronto Raptors who I think themselves have been quite disappointing in this series and haven't put up much of a fight. This series is a wrap. I do think the 76ers will run into problems against such a good team in the heat defensively. Moving on, Jerry Jones appears to be, at least right now, avoiding some problems. Speaking of problems, Harry, a 25-year-old Texas woman who had sued the Dallas Cowboys owner, alleging that he is her biological father, has dropped her lawsuit. Uh, Alexandra Davis said in court papers filed Wednesday that she now wants genetic testing to verify her claim that Jerry Jones is her biological father, but she has dropped the suit. Jerry Jones's attorney had asked in court filings that the suit be dismissed. They had filed a motion to dismiss. They did not address the paternity claim. What do you make of that situation? Jerry Jones right now at least not being sued in court any longer. Cash rules everything around me. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Cash rules everything around me. Now, I was always taught growing up, what's done in the dark will come to the light. And it just happens to come to the light, uh, what, 20-something years later? Amber, that's all I have to say. Cash rules everything around me. Dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Davis and the woman's mother had reached a, a settlement, allegedly, uh, in which Jones would support both of them financially as long as they didn't publicly identify him as her father. That was her allegations, according to her court documents. At the time of that agreement, uh, 1999, uh, Jerry Jones had denied that he was her father, but did support them financially. So that situation moves forward potentially, but at least not right now in the court system. Now, school and police are investigating Harry Douglas after a junior college pitcher tackles a base runner who hit a home run. And by tackling, 
tackle, I mean he trucked him. And if you're watching this right now, you can see this happening on ESPN+. Plus. A reason for you guys to tune in on ESPN+. Plus. You miss out on this sort of video. But it is a dirty, dirty move by this pitcher. This pitcher, Harry Douglas, forgot what sport he was playing. No, he's playing the wrong damn sport. The way that pitcher just tackled that young man running the bases, he need to play safety uh, on the football field. But I wonder what was said while the young man was running the bases, or was it something built up before the game? Because I'm trying to figure out, watching this video, I just don't see what, what reason, what would make him go hit this young man like that. Now, that's another reason now, everyone who plays baseball, if you're hitting a home run or you're rounding the bases, you better keep, keep your guard up. Keep your guard up. You got to be ready at all times. But he had the nerve, Amber, to do it in front of the other team's bench. Yeah, bench. the bench cleared immediately. Uh, and then, of course, the officials come over and try to do what they can to break up the fighting. Uh, a, a really dirty move. I mean, you said you have to be ready at all times. I don't know if you have to be ready, though, to get absolutely trucked and tackled when you're <laughs> running the bases after a home run. That seems a little unreasonable. So we'll see what happens there moving forward. Apparently, Weatherford College's Owen Woodward uh, tackled North Central Texas College's Josh Phillips. And so now the police and the school are investigating that incident. Coming up immediately following us on most ESPN radio stations will be coverage of Grizzlies Timberwolves. That game is tipping off at 7.30 p.m. Mavs Jazz at 9 p.m. tonight. Warriors Nuggets at 10 p.m. tonight. This has been ESPN Radio with Amber Wilson and Harry Douglas.